next stop, the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, you know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that say they gon' beat them Saints? They a lie. They can try, but in the don't we know they ain't. Let's go. We on the road. The next stop, the Super Bowl. Who that? And welcome back to Canastro Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as always. Brendan Ergel, I'm alongside the great Nate Williamson. Nate, what's up? What's going on, my dude? It's a big week here for us. Huge week. Today, we are going to be talking about the Sunday night football game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) We're excited for this one. Nate, what are you feeling right now about this game? Man, honestly, truthfully, I'm I'm nervous. And I, I feel like I'm not out of place for being nervous at the same time. It's going to be interesting. We know it's going to be interesting. Um, This Tampa Bay team, I I know they haven't looked top tier. The Giants gave them a tough time, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, anytime these two teams came together before this year, it was a big deal. But now it is a big deal. Like, like division deciding deal, conference deciding deal, maybe even by the end of it. A hundred percent. And before we saw, talk too much about um, this game, let's look at what the division's looking like. And right now, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are leading the division, even though the Saints have the tiebreaker, just because they have the extra game up because we had our bye week. They sit at six and two. Uh, their loss is coming from the Chicago Bears and, of course, us. And we're number two at five and two. And the Panthers and Falcons are three and four. Not looking too good for those guys in the bottom especially with the Panthers having the Chiefs this week. So division, it's looking like kind of what we thought. It'd be a two-man race. Uh, the Falcons and Panthers are starting to get a little bit behind, uh, being three and three and four games behind those Saints and uh, Bucks. So division's kind of wrapped up halfway through the season. So what are you thinking about, about this NFC South so far? Um, I honestly, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that this is the best division in football so far. I mean, at least if you made an all-star team out of these four teams and put it against other conferences, I would see a hard time in them losing to almost any conference in terms of just pure ability. And, you know, when you factor in performance wise as well, um, with the NFC South, no doubt having one of the hardest groups of schedules this season, uh, it, and I mean, it, it's hard to argue with. And, you know, as much as we want to talk crap about Tampa Bay and everything, that, that's a solid football team. And that's a, a football team that I thought was going to be good. But, man, they're looking better than I thought, even with the weaknesses in the, the young players, you know, and not just the young players, but the guys that are unproven as well in that secondary, in that linebacker core. They're really bringing it all together. And even when that offense struggles, I think that defense is going to keep them in the game. But, you know, the big surprise, Atlanta Falcons, even that team, I feel as though with a few minor changes, they would be, you know, beating teams. And if they could put a few different things together, like not choking every single game away, they would be up there near the top of the division too. So, I mean, you have the steadiest she goes Carolina Panthers that seem to have adapted the Teddy Bridgewater mindset where it's, almost just steady and true and it's going to keep going and pressing on no matter what happens losing Christian McCaffrey for one the best um, arguably offensive player in football uh, is no joke and to see what they've done 
with the pieces that they have is honestly kind of impressive because that's not a great team on paper. I think, honestly, the Carolina Panthers are ahead of their time right now with Teddy Bridgewater. I know they didn't really expect to be the Super Bowl contender this year. And I think, like you said, a few things went their way this year, like Chris McCaffrey being healthy. I think this could be a team that would be up there in a vision. And it's currently a team looking for a wild card spot. And without Christian McCaffrey, I think Teddy Bridgewater has done an amazing job carrying this football team, going from the Saints roster, who is, you could say, one of the best in the NFL, to the Panthers, who are on the bottom half of that list. I think he's doing a great job holding that team, keeping them above water. You could say other quarterbacks in that system wouldn't do as well as Teddy. So round of applause for our boy, Carolina. And for the Atlanta Falcons, yeah. I think they have an, a tremendous, tremendous um, level of talent on that team. They seem to put it all together. And I think if they want to go the rebuild route, I think it'll be more of a retool than a rebuild for the Atlanta Falcons there in um, the empty Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, but let's look at this injury report real quick because this is one of the big talking points of this Bucks saints game who are the two teams on top of this division fighting for this division right now. And it is a list full of all-stars uh, for both sides. Uh, starting out with the Bucks, we got um, Jamel Dean, who has been struggling a little bit in the past few games. He did not practice today with an illness. Who knows what that means anymore? Um, one of the bigger names has been Chris Godwin, who did not play in the Giants game. He has a fractured finger, and he was limited today. How? I have no idea. But Bruce Arian said that they would wait till Friday to see if he could catch a football and I think when you play that wide receiver position, I think it's a little bit important to be able to catch that football. So even if Chris Godwin does play, do not know how effective he will be. Scotty Miller, who has been their leading wide receiver this season, has been limited with a groin and hip injury that he's been bugging with for a few weeks. And maybe the biggest name on this list for uh, Tom Brady has been Ali Marpet, who has been their um, maybe the best lineman this year, has what did not practice with a concussion. So Lots of big names for um, Tampa Bay. Jason Pierre-Paul on there as well with a limited with a knee. So we saw the Bears have a ton of talent last week on the injury report, but they ended up playing. But having these Knicks on these guys can mean a lot for this team. And come Sunday, not having my, my Ali Marpet could hurt the Bucks a lot, especially Tom Brady. Yeah, and that would be a huge loss for them in total. It- Man, and to think that you could lose a guy of that talent and a quarterback like Tom that you know isn't going to move outside of the pocket very often. You know, it's a whole nother story um, when you have a younger guy, let's say um, <clears throat> Jameis Winston back there, who can kind of mobilize in that pocket. No no shots meant, no shots meant, but all shots meant at the same time. Um, but when you've got Tom Brady at 41 years old out there, not that he's not capable of moving anymore, but after a few big hits, you know, you could see a little bit of a slowdown just because – Father time catches up with all of us eventually. And mm-hmm. truthfully, that Saints defensive line has started to pull it together in the last couple games. They played the Bears really well. Of course, they like to play against Nick Foles for whatever reason. I've never understood it. Um, but, you know, it, it could be very interesting to see how that situation unfolds if he is indeed unable to go on Sunday. When the Bears lost a few of their linemen in, in that game this past week, we saw Dennis Allen pick on those guys, send the heat, have Cam Jordan line up against those guys. I think they'll do the exact same if Marpet cannot go. And we saw some DeMarle Davis blitzes in the middle, and he got there a few times. 
And I, I, I swear to you, if he gets there clean one time, it only takes one solid hit from DeMarro Davis to get your butt out of this football game. And I, I, if he takes a clean hit from DeMario, I, I wouldn't get up. I would stay down. So looking over to that Saints side of the injury report, um, some big names, but it's not too much to worry about. Of course, Michael Thomas with that ankle and hamstring, he was limited. That is a positive sign. Last week, he, he did not practice on Wednesday. He is anticipated to go this weekend. So no real need for him to be a full participant in this full week of practice. If he's limited Friday, that's totally fine. No need to push him for this. He, he should be good to go. Sheldon Rankins um, last week had, almost had a terrible knee injury. I, I, I didn't even see the injury because the the TV broadcast wouldn't even show. They said it was too gruesome. Mm-hmm. So he, he actually um, got very lucky. It was just a sprain or a strain. I don't know, something in the knee. But he should be fine. But he will be an IR candidate. Could be on there for three or four weeks. We will see. Um, for Alvin Kamara, he did not practice. He's listed as limited, but he did not go. He had a bone bruise in his foot. He said he should be fine. He'll play Sunday. He said himself he'll be playing uh, this Sunday and practicing on Thursday. He said it's just like stubbing your toe on the edge of a bed. It just hurts like crap. And um, all you need is just some time to get that feeling better so he should be good good to go there uh getting marcus callaway back as well with an ankle injury he did not play last week he was living it today so getting him back an emerging star would be amazing and the goat is on this list drew Brees. he was uh, limited with a right shoulder injury this is something something to look at um when cap Terrell asked him in the interview about this limited practice. He said, I'm just 41 years old. It's going to happen. Uh, but a few people saw in the game that he had some athletic tape taped on that right shoulder. Not really sure if it's related or whatnot, but something to look at. Uh, I think he will be fine. He's been, he's fought through lots of injuries in the past. Um, but Drew Brees, no one really talking about this, but this could be his last Sunday night football game ever. What do you think? Yeah, it's just almost weird, isn't it, uh, to think about him being gone. And we've talked about that a couple of times, just how strange the thought is of not seeing Drew Brees on an NFL field. Anymore. Perhaps maybe even the strangest thing, Mr. Sunday night, Mr. Monday night, Drew Brees not playing a game anymore in primetime like that. It It is just odd. Um, and I really hope that that's something that he can use to his advantage. <laughs> and, you know, it, one of those perfectly written storylines we were talking about a little bit before we came on um, and go out with a bang, I think. And, you know, um, kind of just shut some people up. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people out there in, pardon my French, they just need to shut their mouths because the only thing that comes out is stupid comments about Jupiter. <laughs> It's stupid comments. I love PFF. I love their rating system. I think it's inaccurate sometimes. But that whole thing this week was just a travesty. Just mm-hmm. an absolute mockery of a great quarterback. Yeah, if if you look at what Drew Brees had last week, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, two very good athletes, very good football players. They're not one and two wide receivers. He had Jawan Johnson, Austin Carr, Tommy Lee Lewis. Woo-hoo. That group of wide receivers is not a good group. I like the players. I think they're good players. These guys are guys that you want as depth. They're not guys that will play you 60 snaps. 
And the way this team played against the Chicago Bears without without having their best football player, Michael Thomas, this team could make the playoffs. And I could say they could win eight, nine, ten games with that roster that was on the field at Chicago. And that's a good thing because they're talented. And uh, moving forward to this week, having those guys back, I haven't even mentioned Emmanuel Sanders yet. He's back from the COVID list. Having him back, having two Pro Bowl wide receivers, all of a sudden in your in, in your locker room, having a breakout guy like Marcus Callaway back, that you add three very talented wide receivers and two who could win you a Super Bowl. So having those guys back would be great. And it'll definitely help Drew Brees' PFF rating because ask yourself this. When is the last time you've seen the Saints run a slant route, period, mm-hmm. and Drew Brees target the receiver? I haven't seen it personally once since Michael Thomas left. And look back at last year. Look at the memes. How many times did they run it each game? Five, six, seven times a game? That's a play in the playbook. They had to completely throw away because they did not have Michael Thomas. Having Michael Thomas back in this game is humongous. And he hasn't played since week one against the Bucks. So it's kind of ironic. He gets his shot at playing Carlton Davis again, who got the best of him in, in week one. So that's an exciting matchup. But the impact of this game can really decide either team's season. It can help the Saints pull away from the Bucks, sweeping them, or can get the Saints down a few games. And yes, they'll be tied on the season, but the Bucks will then have two games up on the Saints. So what is the impact for you for this game? Oh, I, I think this game defines your season in a way um, for both the Saints and the Bucks, And, you know, it's really early to say that. Uh, so to a lesser degree, but I do think it defines, uh, and God, it hurts almost to say this, but almost the legacy of what Drew Brees is going to go out with. You know, all eyes on him for the last, I mean, probably not the last time because there's going to be like a, 4,000 team playoff and almost guaranteed to make it at this point, but uh, knock on wood, but that's whatever. Um, But, you know, all eyes on Drew Brees, all eyes on Tom Brady, all eyes on the Saints, all eyes on the Buccaneers. This is probably the last time we're going to see that. This is the last time we're going to see two top five, top eight, depending on who you're talking to, quarterbacks of all time go head to head. Um, In my opinion, top three quarterbacks of all time, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But... It's honestly, I think it is about legacy at this point. And I think it's about taking control of this division as well. You know, the Saints really needed to hang on until Tampa Bay's bye week. Well, that's coming up a little bit quicker than it was after the Saints took their bye week. They've grinded through the injury. They've grinded through the hearts that they've grinded through the setback. And now they're here. They're at their moment of climax. They're at the most important part in the season. You win this game, you take all that momentum, you get all your players back, knock on wood again, you funnel it into the last part of the season, you go into the playoffs with Drew Brees, the greatest quarterback of all time, riding high, and you ride that momentum potentially all the way to the Super Bowl. And we've seen it before. Momentum wins games. Momentum wins seasons in baseball, football, soccer, lacrosse. I'm sure ice skating momentum wins seasons. But, well, literally, because momentum is important in ice skating. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that there is a lot more riding on this game than control of the NFC South in a home game in the playoffs. Drew Brees has said this is the most battle-tested team he's been a part of. And we've seen some very battle-tested teams. We've seen a Saints team go to Buffalo and run – 
58 million times down their throat and destroy them. We've seen a team with Teddy Bridgewater go to Seattle and beat them in their place without Drew Brees. We've seen so many different scenarios where this team has been uh, tested with adversity. And this, you could say, is up there with being one of the higher points of adversity that this team's gone through in the past few years, losing all of these guys, losing Michael Thomas. Yes, they lost Drew Brees for five games, but the team around them was pretty much healthy. And looking at short term, you want to destroy these guys. You want to beat Tom Brady. You want to beat the Bucks. You 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 want to take care of the division. Um, this is, would be their what fourth year in a row winning this division. You do not want to lose that crown. And um, I got a little bit of a hot take. I got a little bit of a hot take. Do it. If we're if we're looking long term, and we look to week or the the first week of the playoffs. And that only that first seed gets the buy. Okay. Now, if the Saints can win this game and somehow get that first that first seed, awesome. That's the goal. That's the number one goal. If they drop this game, if it's a close game and they lose it and they play well and they lose, don't sweat just yet. The season is not over. This could actually, it's gonna sound weird. This could benefit them. Yes, they might not win the division. Yes, they might be the fifth seed. But if you look at the playoff standings today, they, they, they could change Im- immensely. But today, the Bucks would play the Los Angeles Rams, who are the sixth seed. The LA Rams are a pretty good football team, I'll tell you that. And especially with this year with COVID, home field advantage isn't a huge thing. It's not game changer. If you're going to Seattle... It's not going to kill you to play there. Yes, you have to travel, but that's almost the hardest part. 15,000 fans, uh, I love Saints fans, but 15,000 Saints fans are not enough to change the outcome of a football game. And if the Saints stay at the five seed, they're playing the NFC East, who will be the four seed, whether that's the Eagles, the Cowboys, the football team, the Washington football team. (laughs) Who knows who's going to win that division? But that team, if the Saints somehow don't win this division and stay at that five seed, they will most definitely be playing the NFC East, who might win five or six games. And that might not be the path you want to take, but I would say it'd probably be an easier path than what the Buccaneers would have to do in the first round, playing the Rams, Cardinals, team like the Bears who have already beat them, a talented football team, and the Saints playing a team in the first round who probably wouldn't even make the playoffs if you added three more teams, um, if it was a 10 or 11 team race. So that's my hot take. Just don't stress too much about this game, <laughs> but that, that, that's what I got. No, I, I like that. I actually saw a similar thought about that earlier. I don't remember who it was. One of my friends from around the four, one, two, go check them out. If you are into, you know, Steelers content or just good football content, honestly, they do a lot of cool interviews, but uh, a subtle plug. I don't know if we're allowed to, but I'm going to do it anyway. But, <laughs> Um, they were saying that Pittsburgh being the two seed is honestly like not the worst thing. If that happens that way with Kansas city taking the one seed and you know, I can definitely see that being a thing depending on where you go. Cause some stadiums, I have a feeling now there are a lot of factors starting with the 2020 election um, that will might have an impact on these, um, the way that fans are allowed into stadiums, into events, stuff like that. Uh, but 
I have a feeling that there are some stadiums where, you know, that home crowd advantage, like you said, that, you know, in a place like New Orleans isn't really a factor. It's going to be a bigger factor. You know, you never really want to go play at Arrowhead um, with even a, a 20% capacity because it's so loud there, you know, and, and the Superdome can be that way too, but not with 15,000 people. There's just, it's just not feasible. It's not a thing. Um, but I agree. No, I'm right there with you. I think some situations are definitely better than others. Um, that potential division, if it ends up that way is so bad, they don't even deserve to have a team in the playoffs. Um, and it, and some teams by their own fault more than others, of course. Um, but yeah, so now I'm right there with you. Yeah. Let me just cover myself real quick. I, I'm not saying the Saints should lose this game. I'm not saying that they should blow it and uh, get the fifth seed. Uh, it's definitely not the path you want to take, but it's a path that um, I would say can be successful. If they lose this game, I'm not going to be like, season's over, dang, we're not going to the Super Bowl, because we're still right there, uh, depending on how this game plays out. I, I, hope, I hope they can win this game. Um, but yes, depending on the fans, if it feels a normal season, I would not want them to go that route. Going down to Philly or going in Dallas, that those fans can be rowdy if their team's in the playoffs. Um, but moving on to what this Bucks team will look like on game day, they've added a call them what you want, a pro bowler, an all pro, the best wide receiver in the league, whatnot. Antonio Brown will be playing this Sunday, and Bruce Arians has said he could play 10 plays. He could play 35 plays, but he probably won't play 60. So what are your thoughts on Antonio Brown playing in this Sunday's Sunday Night Football game? You know, I think Bruce Arians is a good coach, and I'm going to start off with that. And (laughs) just like all good coaches, or at least moderate to okay coaches know, a locker room cancer is only acceptable if you can manage it. Antonio Brown's been there for a week, a little over a week. His role in that offense cannot be that complex. We've heard Tom Brady complain about his offense not quite running the way it should. Up until the third or fourth, even the fifth week of the season, they weren't on full cylinders. And you think Antonio Brown is going to come in there, pair up right away, and be able to know this offense. If they were running the exact same offense as they were in New England, maybe i buy that. For me, Antonio Brown's not going to get a ton of snaps. If they are, I think it's going to be pretty easy reps, you know, stuff that's pretty simple to remember. Not because I think uh, intellectually he can't do it. I'm sure he can. He's great at what he does and was great. I know we'll have to see him on the field again. But truthfully, I just can't see a huge role in this offense. It's just not in the cards for me. And if it is, it might honestly play in the Saints' favor because there's got to be a miscommunication somewhere along the line with him. Um, and it's more likely to happen in the early days of his time with Tampa Bay than in the later stages. Yeah, he could be a locker room problem, and he could be a household problem. He, if he's not doing the, his chores in the Tom Brady household, he might get kicked out because mm-hmm. he's living with Tom Brady in his house. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who knows if this this will work? I, I mean, I don't know. So far, it's it sounded good. It's not like he's done the right things. He's listened. He's done well in practice, and that's great. I I. I think he is a is a good guy. I think he's got up caught with some doing some bad things, and he's a very talented football player. So that all will forgive if you're a very talented football player. And we, if you watch this game against the New York Giants when the Bucks played the New York Giants, 
this is where I could see this scenario going bad. When Tom Brady, I, I, I posted this on Twitter, he slammed his helmet on the sideline. He's pissed off. They went three and out. He got sacked. He's hit, hitting the bench, hit, hitting the tablet. It takes one bad conversation to kind of get things going. And if, if Antonio Brown goes to the sideline and he's like, hey, I was open, and Tom Brady loses his mind, that's when things could start getting bad. And all things point to being positive. I hope, I mean, I don't hope it works out. I, I hope he can um, be good, but not this week. Let's just say that. Um, but yes, his role won't be as big as maybe it will be in a few weeks. But I, I, I'm never in that, in the locker room. I'm never in the huddle. But you know, when Tony Brown was in Pittsburgh, he went that huddle and he's like, hey, Big Ben, I, I'm going to be open this play. Just throw it to me. And that can't go in this in this huddle because they got Mike Evans, they got Chris Godwin, they got Gronk. Tom Brady's got some mouths to feed, and a few guys are going to be open every play for them, and he's just kind of got to choose who he wants at times. And I think Tom Brady's going to be worried about feeding Antonio Brown the football, but who knows? And talk about Chris Godwin. I don't know if he will be able to go in this game and Chris Godwin has been the guy who has killed the Saints, not Mike Evans, because don't even worry about him. Marshawn Lattimore is a Hall of Fame corner against Mike Evans for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but he is the best of the best against Mike Evans. It's personal. It really and is. It's it honestly, is. it's hilarious. It, it, I, and... <sighs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go, well, I'm just going to, I always go back to when the Jameis thing, when he came and nailed them, I think from that point on, he's been like, he's not catching a pass on me. Yeah. Do you, if, okay. So here's kind of just a funny question. If, if Javon Wims was not just a literal two pass per game role on his team right now, and the bears were in the saints division and they played more often, I know we've played them twice in two years, which is kind of odd. Um, do you think that same kind of like it's personal, I'm going to lock you down every game attitude would happen between CD Deuce and Javon Wims? A hundred percent. Because <laughs> after that, did, you could hear Chauncey Garner Johnson on the TV. I heard him on my TV when they try to fake snap him. He's like, that's not going to work on me. You could just hear him. And he's being vocal all game. He'd make a tackle. He's flexing on him. He took that personally. And I know when he, when he went to the interviews, he's like, nah, it's just football. Yeah. Uh, whatnot but you, you know he took that personally and if that was let's say uh mike evans oh wow i don't know what would happen i don't know might have to get some cops in there somebody's dying somebody's probably <laughs> dying it it's funny though i mean it <laughs> i just i was thinking about that when you were talking about that i was like you know i could see that being another rivalry that just blooms and just comes into fruition but and we could get the same kind of scenario. This these teams hate each other. Mm-hmm. And in week one, uh, the bloods were boiling. They were getting they were talking. And round two, Antonio Winfield loves to talk. And and who knows how this could play out. But uh Antonio, I wanted to discuss this for sure. The Bucks only being the Giants by two points. Maybe they're one of their biggest flops of the season, the other one being against the Bears. Um they, of course, didn't have Chris Godwin, but that P.I. call at the end of the game, I personally was pissed off, and I was mm. real pissed off. And here is why. Because whether it was a P.I. or not, 
whether you're pro PI or not. Antonio Winfield got there early. He broke up the pass. And if that was Marcus Williams or Malcolm Jenkins, they are throwing four flags (laughs) and they're calling it before we can even yell at the TV because that call is being called on the Saints 100% of the time. And it's because of the pregame reports that they're getting. Zach Chief has talked about this a lot. When before a game, they see, oh, the Saints, they pull a lot, they grab a lot, the defensive backs are touchy. So now they know the Saints have a repetition or um, a reputation for doing this. And I don't know if they knew Tom Brady might yell at them, Bruce Arians might yell at them, or uh, Antonio Brown's coming soon, so he might hurt them. I don't know what it was, but that that cannot happen against the Saints, or I will not have TV anymore because I will break it. Because um, just flat out, it's it's it seems unfair a little bit because the Giants, it felt like they could have won that game. They ran the ball great against them, which is the Saints need to do this week with Vita, Vita, Vita Vea being out for the year. They just grinded in between the tackles. I was surprised that they were able to do that so much with Wayne Gallman, mm-hmm. no Saquon Barkley. And Danny Dimes was pretty much Danny Penny's in this game because there were so many deep shots that he missed. And I felt like if he hit those, they would have dropped 40 points on him. And if the Saints can do what the Giants couldn't, they could win this game by a good margin. Yeah, it it's going to be really interesting. And, and truthfully, at this point in the season, I honestly am just watching injuries. And I feel like this season there's been more injuries than we have seen in seasons past. I don't know if it's because of the lack of preseason, the bodies just weren't there, and thus they're picking up these nagging injuries that hold people out. But the final injury report for this weekend between the Saints and the Bucks, I truthfully think that is going to be one of the deciding injury reports in the division, mm-hmm. if not the deciding injury report in the division. To see who's ready to go, who's kind of ready to go, is really just going to... I don't know. It seems like it's more going to define things than normal. And truthfully, Vita Vea being out is just such a hard hit. And the Saints really need to take advantage of some of these guys being out. Yeah, and William Golston, who is a guy who, who he's capable. He he got to Drew um, one time in week one. He was placed on the COVID list, so he did not practice today too. So having not having a guy like that as well, I don't know what his status will be for this week's game, but this game is going to come down to a few plays. It's going to come down to three or four plays that the Saints can either make or not make. And having Nick Easton back with a concussion, he was a full participant. He could be one of those guys that can come in and provide one of those boosts for one of these plays. It seems very little having a guy like Nick Easton or even Justin Hardy playing this game, but it's going to come down to that. Can Deontay Harris get 15 yards on a punt return instead of um, letting the ball bounce in the end zone. Just little things like that. This is going to be a deciding factor in a game this tight. And um, it's it seems stupid to be so obsessed with these injury reports, but it's looking like the Saints are going in the right direction health-wise. And with these Bucks, you just, I mean, I don't know their team too well, but these are all some names that uh, didn't pop up on last week. So they got either banged up in last one uh, Jason Pierre-Paul as well with the knee. So, I mean, like you said, it, it, it could be huge who plays and who doesn't. Um, uh, Jamail Dean, Mike Edwards, who were two guys who struggled in last week's game, if those guys weren't able to go, it's next man up for the Bucks. 
And who would be next up? Not sure because those guys have struggled. So what what is the improvement there? And I think Sean Payton's going to go after these holes that the Bucks have because there's not many of them. So if if someone can't go, they'll definitely be targeting those spots. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and you got to look to take advantage of it. It is going to be very interesting. I think how tight this game has the potential to be now, as we know in football, nothing ever happens like we think it should happen or like we predict it to happen. I mean, the giants took the bucks to the end of the game last week. Who would have seen that coming? But in all honesty, it's just going to be very interesting. I know I keep saying that, but I am as a football fan, just so intrigued by this game. I think it's going to be one of the more, different games we see in a season i think it's gonna be probably i mean i would think one of the most competitive games we'll see in a season as well yeah i i talked about the saints uh roster my last week's podcast and them adding a very talented guy in kwan alexander and we talked we're i want to talk about that in just a second but lots of saints fans were disappointed that they that they didn't add um a corner or a safety or someone in the back end and here's why that doesn't make sense. I'm going to clear that error right there, right now with that. Because when you bring in a guy like Quan Alexander, what is the first thing you're teaching him to do? You're teaching him the playbook. You're, you're telling him all, um, all the signals, all the calls, all the checks, everything like that. That's the most important thing for him right now. Yes, his ankle's banged up a little bit, but he needs to know that playbook before he goes out there and plays. Because if, if you're playing 80%, that's when you can get injured. That's when you can look bad. And that's when you can lose your job. So he needs to get that playbook down already. But if they were to bring in a guy like, um, gosh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say a name. The most important thing for that, let's say they bring in a safety. They got to learn all the play calls, all the coverages, all whatnot. And that's all they need to do with Marcus Williams and, and whoever else is blowing his coverages They've done better at times, but the only thing they got to fix is the communication because the talent is there. They don't need to go out there and add Harrison Smith or Tyron Matthew to the safety room because they have talented guys. They're just making mental mistakes. And you can either be not a fan of Malcolm, you can hate Marcus, but they're good football players and they're good enough football players to win you a Super Bowl. And having a guy like Alex Anzalone, he's a talented football player. I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with him playing the Will linebacker next to Demarrell Davis. Now they've been close to, and they've struggled with him at that position at times, but adding Quan Alexander, who is athletic, he can play multiple positions. He brings the fire to that locker room. He's a, he's from Louisiana. He's, you know, he's going to bring the heat every game day. That is something that the saints saw. They liked in him. And they brought him in, but adding a safety or a corner just didn't make sense. There was no really room. If you bring in Stephon Gilmore, like some fans wanted to do, where is he going? Because you got Marshawn, you got um, Jonas Jenkins, and he's definitely not playing the slot. It doesn't make sense. So I like what the Saints did and didn't do in the trade deadline, adding Quan and kind of staying away from some of the other deals that were too expensive. And we saw the, uh, the Texans want a, a third or second round pick for Will Fuller, which seems steep. So I'm glad that they stayed away and got a really good deal for Quan Alexander. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And you know, one thing that I want to talk about with Quan Alexander, and it it comes from a video we talked about earlier, you know, we were talking about Quan Alexander 
having that great game after his brother died, you know, tragic, tragic stuff. You know, he's coming back to a team in opposite his team originally, of course, as he was with the Buccaneers, as we mentioned, but he's coming back on a team that at least has some familiar faces, plays guys he's played against guys. He's played against in high school, college played against, you know, in general, but probably the most one that sticks out to me, Brendan is Jameis Winston. And in that video, if you ever watch the after the game speech, when Quan Alexander had that incredible game after his brother's death, you know, don't want to harp on that too much. Jameis Winston was the guy really, other than some of the vets at the team on the team at the time that supported him so much. They supported him so much. You know, Jameis came out and one of his, honestly, I know he's got some really, really bad pep talk speeches. Let's eat a W. That was horrible. I will make fun of it forever. It's fine. I probably have said some way worse things in my pregame for, I don't know, intramurals or whatever, but Davis came <laughs> into that speech and said one team, one heartbeat. You know, this is a guy that knows how to be a leader on a team, how to fire up a locker room, how to make a big impact play and turn the course of a game. And as Saints fans, I think the defense has been missing that. The defense has been bend, 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 third down, let's break. Fourth and short, let's break. Quan Alexander in the coming weeks could be an important piece of changing that. He's a rangy linebacker. He frees up some spots for Demario Davis. It's honestly, it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. And if you watch his highlight videos from when he's healthy, you know why. And he Mm -hmm. is going to be a big piece. You just got to get him healthy and um, knock on wood. If this man stays healthy, I mean, Dome Patrol. Him and Demario Davis, that is a stellar linebacker group. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's you, just two of them. <laughs> if you go watch the 49ers highlights before the game, he is there, Demario Davis. Yeah. Even when he was injured, he was bringing the heat. He was in his sideline clothes talking the pregame, uh, the pregame chant with them. And like you said about Jameis, having a guy like him in the locker room that he can connect to day one. And I know he's in that five-day period where he cannot – be with the team right now um sean payton said his status he probably won't go this week his goal is next week but what if somehow he ends up on game day showing up dressing uh against this team that drafted him and how ironic i feel like this always turns out this way um next week they go to the they the 49ers come to new orleans so they'll be, he'll be playing his former team his former team's back-to-back weeks and that's just really weird um but like you said, I really like how you said that. The defense just bends sometimes and seems like there's no energy. And in years past, we've seen them have so much energy and swag. And Demarrell Davis has had maybe a not Pro Bowl caliber year or an all pro caliber year. And having a guy next to him that can play an elite level, that'll help Demario more than anyone else. That'll help the back end more than anyone else. Having someone that brings the fire who's hype like they are and we know how swaggy and cool Marshawn is and Marcus is dancing before the game having a guy that fit in, fits in with them and that they can trust I I they just, they just got to bring the heat more on game day and we haven't seen the Saints defense really play good since they last played the Bucks. I don't know if that's a commitment thing or a energy thing but they are going to bring the heat this weekend the Saints are going to win this football game that's the hope that's the hope you know and it's one of those things we won't know until i'd be surprised if this game isn't settled in the last drive truthfully Mm -hmm. i really would be and i mean win or loss 
this could be just an amazing game to watch. You know, I hate to think as Saints fans, you know, we don't want to say, oh, well, we might lose this game. But I truthfully, if this is an incredible game, you know, I'm just so excited for it for as a football fan. I'm so pumped for it. Yeah, the, the past two weeks for the Saints with the Bears and the Panthers, the defense hasn't played well, but they've got it done when it counts the most. They got to stop against the Panthers to get them out of field goal range. They got to stop in overtime when they punted to the Bears in overtime, get the Saints offense the football back. They win that football game. They haven't been great, but when they needed, absolutely needed a stop, they've provided it for them. They had a 10-point lead late in Chicago that kind of bent, 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 and broke. But when it came to overtime, they got the done deal. It came, that game shouldn't even been in overtime because that was a fumble, but I'm not going to get into that. The defense needs to bring the heat every drive. They cannot wait till the last drive to help this team. Come every drive, spring the heat, hit Tom Brady, lock down those receivers, and they'll win this game. Period. End of story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so, so, so true. Uh, and truthfully, I think even to where, you know, getting to Tom Brady, that is going probably to be the deciding factor. This defensive line has looked better and better. It's time for him to look good, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Well, that pretty much does it for today, today's show. You can tell that we are very excited. I personally could talk about this for hours and hours, but I have other commitments to do other than talk about Saints football. I wish I could just do it all day. Yes, I wish I could do it all day. Uh, but we'll be coming at you guys right after this game, hopefully talking about a beautiful Saints win, a classic Jubilee Sunday Night football game. Ride them off into the sunset. Um, the beautiful sunset to the Super Bowl. That's facts. I, I <laughs> man, what a storyline it would be. I know we've been saying that the last couple of years. Yeah, what a storyline it would have been if they had done it last year, and then Tom Brady is on the Saints list. Anyway, we're not getting into that. Uh, but... <laughs> Just had to, had to make the joke. I've been sitting on that one for a half season. <laughs> well, again, hope you guys enjoyed. Please follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. Make sure if you're not subscribed to the show, subscribe because Apple Podcasts can be weird. And I don't say notifications. Subscribe. Give us five stars. Please tune in. Share it. Like it. Do whatever you can to, to spread the love. And we will do the same to you guys. As always, I'm Brennan. He's Nate. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Who that? Who that? Who that? Let's go. We on the road. The next stop. Next